0: We're going a three-part series today called, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Tell somebody, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> this is a little sermon I wrote. You might want to record it. Note for note, amen. <laughs> we're looking at times where the Bible says, don't worry, and we're looking at how the Bible defines happiness. So we're going to let the Bible tell us, don't worry, and we're going to let the Bible tell us how to be happy, Amen. Listen, man-made peace comes when the problem leaves. But the peace of God, you can have that when the problem's still there. In fact, you can have the peace of God when you're still surrounded by the enemy and you're outnumbered, outmade, and outgunned. The peace of God surpasses understanding. So I felt the need to spend some time dealing with stress and worry and anxiety and anger and fear. And we're going to tackle these issues over the next three weeks. It's been said that 90% of all diseases are stress-related. It's estimated that in the United States, in the past year alone, Americans spent $300 billion on medical expenses related to stress. That's $100 million more than we spent treating obesity. You know what that tells me? It's better to be fat and happy... This city is stressed out. My doctor does not appreciate my interpretation of the data, but I'm right. (laughs) You know, Americans make up six percent of the world's population, yet we consume ninety percent of the world's supply of anxiety medicine. Church, that's a problem. Something is wrong with this picture. We are too stressed out. Stress fear and anxiety are taking a toll on us and we've got to get down to the truth of what God says about it. Amen. So we're going to talk about worry today. The word worry comes from an old German word that means to strangle or to choke. I think that's pretty accurate, don't you? Worry can be debilitating what worry does. It strangles the life out of you. In fact, it's the same analogy Jesus used about worry when he gave the parable of the sower. The cares of this world, choke out the word of God in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know that worry is bad. You know it. And I know it. But what do we do? We worry anyway. anyway. It's as if we have to worry about things. We worry about the economy. We worry about our health. We worry about our kids and some of y'all don't even have kids and you worry about your kids. We worry, worry, worry all the time. Amen. I struggle with worry, so okay, because there's always something to be worried about. Now that we have a child, okay, that just amps up the worry. And in seasons of life when I'm not worried, I worry that I'm not worried. Can anybody relate to that? Human nature tends to worry Worry, worry, and this morning I came to tell you that worry is dangerous, if not deadly. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 4.23. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 14 is dealing with what is right and what is acceptable to participate in and to do as Christians. In Romans 14.23, the last part of this verse is so significant. It's so powerful. It says this, whatever is not from faith is sin. I want to have to sink in a little bit this morning. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Come on, say that out loud. If it's not faith, it's sin. Come on, say it again. If it's not faith, it's sin. Come on, say it loud enough to compensate for those who were scared of the rain this morning. If it's not faith, it's sin. There you go. Everything that does not come from faith, the Bible says, is sin. And guess what? Worry don't come from faith. No. Worry in fact is the opposite of faith. And if I get real with you this morning, worry is putting your faith in the enemy. Worry is saying, "I choose to believe the worst possible outcome in this situation." Worry is putting your faith in the bad things rather than putting your faith in God who is good. Worry does not come From faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So let's define worry. Worry is the sin of trusting the problem more than God. Most of us have an unhealthy relationship with worry. We cling to it like it's our best friend, we make sure that it's always with us everywhere we go. Worry is not your friend, worry is the enemy. Worry is like that friend you went camping with, and then the grizzly bear came up on the campsite and, and he started putting his shoes on and said, Hey, man, you can't outrun the bear? He said, I ain't going to outrun the bear. <laughs> Some of y'all got that. Come on, oh, worry is not your friend. Worry is your enemy. In fact, it's one of your worst enemies because worry is one of the best tools of the devil. How many of y'all want to know something about spiritual warfare this morning? Come on, I'll tell you something about spiritual warfare. Worry is one of the primary weapons that the enemy uses to assault you. Why is worry such a powerful weapon? Because it consumes your mind. The mind is a battlefield on which spiritual warfare is fought, and that's why worry is so effective because when you're worried about something, you're constantly thinking thoughts of fear. And you know what those thoughts become? Imaginations. Second Corinthians ten four through five. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means when you have these thoughts of fear and calamity, you have got to bring those thoughts into captivity. Thoughts and imaginations wreak havoc in the life of a believer. You've got to bring those thoughts into obedience to Christ, because if you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. What's the opposite of worry? Faith. The devil's weapon is worry, but our weapon is faith in God. And let me tell you, our gun's is bigger than the devil's gun for everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So we can be people of worry and live a defeated life, or we can be people of faith and be overcomers. But you can't be both. you got to be one or the other. You cannot be unaffiliated. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person of faith. Faith displaces worry. Here's something you can know. Worry will not leave your life voluntarily. Worry is like crazy relatives. It'll stay a lot longer than you want it to. And it won't leave on its own. You've got to invite it to leave. Hello? Worry will not leave your life voluntarily. Worry is a force. And the only way to get rid of worry is by breaking in something greater and stronger than worry. Faith pushes worry out. How do I get faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you are gripped by fear, you need to turn off the news, and you need to open the book. You need to turn off the voices of fear, and turn on the word of faith, and read the word of God. This is—I want you to hear something the word of God says this morning. This is going to help somebody. Second Timothy one says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind." Listen, the world, social media, the news is going to tell you you're not going to make it. The whole world is going to blow up. We're not going to make it. It's calamity, death, doubt, destruction, and everywhere. But the Word of God will tell you stuff like this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. The spirit of fear does not come from God. Come on, I want, I want you to say this. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Come on, say it. God has not given me. Come on, say it again.
1: This is a Bible verse
0: I quote. When worry tries to creep in, wreak havoc in my life, I say, uh-uh. All right, you're trying to deliver a big package, I am not signing for it today. Because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound. Now, when you start to worry, you start to be afraid. You quote the Word of God out loud. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I'm not buying into this. God has given you a spirit of power, power over sin, power over the devil, power over the systems of this world. God has given you love, love for God, love for his people, love for your enemies. God has given you a sound mind. The whole world can lose its mind, but baby, you can just keep going strong because God has given you a sound mind. And it's time that we start stop worrying and start believing the promises of God. Are you are you telling me that if I just stop worrying that nothing bad will happen? No. But worry never fixed a single problem in your life. Worry has never solved a single problem, and worry will not add anything good to you. Come on, tell somebody. Worry adds nothing. Come on, tell somebody. Worry adds nothing. Uh Uh-huh. If anything, worry takes away. Worry robs from you. It steals from you. Listen to what Jesus said. I say to you. Do not worry about your life. He said in verse 27, Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If worrying made you taller, some of y'all could play for the NBA. Some of y'all could clean the gutters without a ladder. Worrying does not add anything to your life. It does not strengthen you. It does not help you. You will accomplish nothing. By worrying. But what do we do? We still worry. We stay awake at night, letting all the what ifs run through our mind. Anybody ever laid in bed at night and started crying because you had an imaginary argument in your mind and you hurt your own feelings? (laughs) Come on, it's the same thing when we just run these situations and outcomes and scenarios over and over and over in our mind and we let worry and fear and anxiety just take over. Get knots in our stomach and ulcers and our back gets tight and our neck gets tight and we get high blood pressure and headaches and we've been out of shape. Why? because we disobey what Jesus said and We worry. Jesus said, Don't do that. Come on, tell you that, but Jesus said, Don't do that. I had some friends growing up there, they'd daddy would all say, Jesus said, Stop! Jesus said, Don't do that. Come on, tell me Jesus said, Don't do that. Therefore, two of y'all did it. That's all right. I'll take it. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. And then we're going to stop wrestling with worry. There are two things that I will help you do. Just two practical things, okay? I got short points. Two practical things. All right. Two things that we have to do that we'll close. Two steps to defeat. Number one, do what God asks you to do. Do what God asks you to do. That's the first step to overcoming worry. We have to do what God tells us to do. I think many Christians tend to over-spiritualize things and put everything on God. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And there's some things that God will do, but there's other things God's waiting for us to do. Come on. You've got to remember this Christian walk is a partnership. There are things that only God can do, but there's a lot of stuff that God has Put on our court to do. Amen. God's going to help me lose weight. He's just going to, hallelujah, I'm going to just lay hands on myself and all these pounds are just going to disappear like that. Hallelujah. Like Elijah was ticking up into heaven. This fat's just going to be taken down to hell. You got you to gotta do what God told you to do. Come on. Instead of eating 12 donuts every Friday, eat 11 and a half. God's going to fix my marriage. God's going to fix my marriage. God's going to fix my marriage. Well, what are you doing? Listen, God can transform your marriage just like that in a moment, but you can't. You know what you can do? One small step at a time. You can leave your wife a note that just says, I love you. How do you do it? you call her in the middle of your work page and say, i just thinking about you. If, if your husband does that tomorrow, he didn't do that because I did it. See, I, I heard all the men talking in the bathroom before church, and they say, you know what? We're going to all give our wife a note tomorrow that says I love you. We're going to call her and say, I've been thinking about you. It was, it was his idea. It wasn't my idea. Here's another example. You need a job. God's going to give me a job. <laughs> in fact, Somebody, tough aside in the parking lot, God's going to give me a job. Well, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But have you got out and looked for a job? Well, no. Have you written a resume? Well, Well, no. Are you networking? Are you talking to employers? No. Then what are you waiting on? I'm waiting on God to send me a job. Bless your heart. People do it all the time. Oh, God's going to send me a wife. God's going to send me a wife. God's going to send me a wife. He who finds a wife, finds a good thing. And God's going to send me a wife. The Bible doesn't say God's going to send you a wife. you got to find one. Have you been out of the house recently? No. Have you ever talked to the opposite sex? <laughs> no. Have you had a bath in the past six months?
2: <laughs>
0: Have you shaved the hair off of the back of your neck looking like Teen Wolf? You say, God's going to send me a wife, but I'm telling you, unless you do some things, she's not going to want to marry you when you encounter her. What are you doing to get ready? Because playing video games all day in mama's basement is not going to it. <laughs> there are some things God will do, but there are other things that we have to do. hello. <laughs> Somebody who's always broke, God's going to get me out of debt, God's going to get me out of debt, God's going to get me out of debt, and I believe that. But let me ask you something, are you using self-control when you spend money? No. Are you putting anything in savings? No. Are you balancing your checkbook? What's the checkbook? Are you checking your account online? Uh, no. Are you tithing? What's that? You see, sometimes your anxiety problem is caused by an integrity problem. Sometimes your anxiety problem is caused by an integrity problem. Did you understand that? Sometimes we cause anxiety because we're disobeying God. Some of you, you're worried all the time because you're living in sin. And you wonder, why God's not blessing you. You've got to do what God told you to do. God told you to repent of that, to turn your heart towards Him. He's wanting to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But you've got to do what God said to do. God is faithful to His promise, but every promise comes with a condition. Most Christians don't understand that. Salvation is unconditional, but the Bible says you still got to call on the name of the Lord. Come on. Every blessing of God says, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, then I'll open up the windows of heaven. If you're willing and obedient, then you'll eat the good of the land. Jesus said, if you forgive others, I'll forgive you. Well, that's a couple right there. Oh, Jesus said. You've got to forgive them if you want to be forgiven. Jesus said, if you You'll believe. Then you'll receive what you ask in prayer. It's a partnership. You do what God says, and then God will do His part because He is faithful. When you're worried, there are some things that are beyond your control, but there are other things that you can control. Amen? Hallelujah. You can't help a diagnosis of diabetes, but you can help those 11 heptodists. There are always things beyond your control, but there are also things that you can do. Amen. Y'all with me so far? All right. I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Right, that is right. And listen, sometimes you got to change the way you think. You got to get your thinking to line up with the Word of God, because you're not going to be blessed using the same thinking, thinking that got you in the situation that you're already in. If you want to make better choices, you got to think differently. You got to start thinking God's thoughts. How do you think like God thinks? By immersing yourself in the Word of God. Instead of responding to your situation in fear and defeat, you need to take those thoughts captive and say, Nope, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. When you start to think, I'm stupid, I can't figure this out, I'll never learn, you need to change your thinking to the language of God. First, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16, I have the mind of Christ. Proverbs 2.6, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge, and understanding. I might not have it, but God's got it. Ephesians 1.17 Jesus has given me the spirit of wisdom and understanding. You've got to change your thinking to line up with the Word of God. The Bible says that you are an overcomer. You've got to think like an overcomer. 1 John 4, verse 4 Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Romans 8.37 I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Romans 8.31 and God is for me, Who can be against me? Amen. How do you defeat Word? One, by doing what God has asked you to do. And number two, by giving God what you cannot do. This can be tough sometimes, but there comes a point where we have to admit, I cannot fix this. I can't do this on my own. And that's when we need to give it to God. There are things in this life that we have no power to change in this life. There will be trouble, there will be tri- tribulation, there will be tragedy, because we live in a fallen world. I don't have to convince you of that, do I? Somebody asked me, well, wh- why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know, but I want to know why good things happen to bad people. You ever thought about that? Here's the reality. The kingdom of God is both now and not yet. We're heirs of the kingdom of God right now, but we're still living in this broken sinful world. First John 5, 19 really sums it up. We know that we are children of God, and the whole world is under control of the evil one. We belong in Jesus, to God's heavenly kingdom, and we're still living in a messed up world. There are some things we worry about, and sometimes there is nothing we can do about those things. What do we do? That's where we learn to trust God. Philippians 4.6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Take that word and replace it with something. With prayer, with supplication, what a supplication is, it's crying out to God, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need you to intervene in this situation. With prayer, with supplication, and thanksgiving. This week, I watched a farmer do something very impressive. His drainage culvert was completely blocked. And he had run a chain through that thing. And on one end, he had an old tire on the other end. He hooked it to his tractor. And he pulled that tractor. And that tire went into that culvert. And he pulled and pulled and pulled. And then all of a sudden, 10 feet of mud came flying out of that thing. And that just blew me away. That tire was a displacement put so much pressure on the mud that it had to get out of there. That's what prayer and worship does to worry. That's what praising God does to anxiety. When you pray and you start praising Jesus, that prayer and that praise starts putting pressure on that fear and that doubt and that worry. And listen, praise and worry cannot occupy the same space. When you start praising God and you start taking these things to God in prayer, that next verse tells you what's going to happen. And the peace of God passes all understanding. So keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Those things you're worried about, those things you can't control that stuff, you can't fix, you take those things to God in prayer. The Bible says that when you do that, the peace of God that is beyond comprehension will guard your heart and your mind. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You've got to give that burden to God. Listen, it's too much for us to handle. You know, a lot of people say God will give you, never give you more than you can bear. Not true. The Bible says he'll never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But you know, God regularly allows us to face stuff in life that we can't handle on our own life because that's what he's there for. Cast those cares on him because he cares for you. God is more than able to take that burden off of you. So make up your mind today. I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to fight fear. When I start to worry, I'm going to remind myself God hasn't given me a spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to thank God for the things that He's done and that He's doing, that He's getting ready to do. And I'm going to cast my cares on Him. Don't worry be happy. Psalm 146.5 says this, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Will you stand this morning as we pray?
2: Don't worry, take a breath. But I just feel like I need to share a little bit about something because I love, I'm all about team spirit. And I feel like sometimes when people look and they think, oh, well, I'm they just don't feel I remember being like seven years old. Nothing had happened. I grew up in a Christian home. We were in church Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Theater would just, or I watched the little commercial from Duke Hospital you know, with the kids that have shaved heads. And all of a sudden, I cut my leg in the shower, and I'm like, oh, dog, I got leukemia. You think it's funny, but a lot of y'all, I'm sure, have thoughts has ripped me, probably was my whole life, to the point where sometimes it was debilitating where so I didn't want to go to the doctor. I got bitten by a black widow spider, and Josh was throwing me in the car to go to the hospital, and I looked at him and I said, I'm not going, I've got the blood of Jesus Christ, and I refuse to go into that hospital, the big thing going to happen to me is going to be in my house. Because fear had gripped me that if I walked into the hospital I would, it was done. Or if I went to the doctor it was instantly gonna be a bad report. Um, it was just a lot of stuff and a couple of years ago, you know, When you have aneurysm, you think that helped it?
0: It probably made it worse,
2: right? Well, a couple of years ago I was just struggling and I was like, God, why am I like this? Like what is it? Why am I gripped by fear? Why do all of my kids and kids ministry you know that God has given me the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind? Because I can quote it night and day, and sometimes it had to, and it's because that fear and that anxiety, it is real. And so many people, they don't want to talk about anxiety because it's been labeled bad, or you're just supposed to deal with it. We do need to deal with it in a healthy way. That is number one. God is our protector. He's our provider. And He's going to take care of us. And getting a hold of the Word of God. And worshiping. And one day I'll tell you that was a delivering moment for me. And this is so stupid. I was heating up something in the microwave for Hudson. And I had this massive, sharp pain in my leg. And it was just like it. Like, I couldn't hardly stand up. And it was hurting, and I could feel it throbbing, and there was heat coming from it. So I pulled my pant leg up, and I said, Oh my goodness, I've got a blood clot. And I went and I sat down on the couch, and I started praying. I was like, By your stripes, I'm healed. This is not going to go anywhere. And all of a sudden, God said, Just rub it. And I rubbed it. Then I licked my finger. I did the ultimate lick your finger. And I went over my leg. And I had cut myself. And didn't realize that I had cut myself. But the way that my pants had rubbed up against it, it was warm. It was hurting. But the enemy took me from, didn't even say I had cut myself. I was instantly going to have to go to the ER because I had a blood clot. And in that moment, I went. I'm done. I can't live like this. I'm tired of being worried about nothing. Because there was nothing wrong with my leg. And you know, from that day forward, yes, of course, it still comes. Because the enemy knows how to get you. He knows exactly what it is that he needs to tell you, or he knows how to get you back in that place. But from that day forward, I realized how much the enemy had a grip on my mind, how much fear, and what he would use to grip my mind and bring anxiety, because whenever you would think, if you've ever suffered with anxiety, it can be very crippling. It can keep you from doing things. It can keep you from being the mom, the dad that you need to be, because you worry about everything. And I'm telling you today, and I'm sharing you with this, is because the enemy is lying to you. And God wants you to be free from the anxiety and from worry. And maybe I'm the only one that has ever struggled with that in this world. But I'm telling somebody right now that God said that you are to be set free. That you have been bound with anxiety and fear. You don't even want to go out the door. You don't even know what's next because you're already ahead of it. You're already dead. But this morning, God said, you need to be set free. And whenever those lies from the enemy come into your mind, you quote scripture at it. You get help. You talk to someone, but stop living in that bondage. It is bondage. If you've ever dealt with it in fear, man, God, you can go from zero to 100 in 10 seconds. And there are some people in here that you need to be set free. Stop denying it. Act like it's, it, it doesn't work. It's not real. No, it is real. Fear is real. There is a reason why in the Bible you will find where God says, do not fear 365 times. How many days are in a year? Because God knows that fear is real. And if you want to fact check me in 365 times, God doesn't want you to fear and he doesn't want you to worry. He wants you to be free. So this morning, I'm going to pray for everybody, and if you're struggling with that, I want you to put that fear, and I want you to put that anxiety, and that doubt, and that worry on the altar. Whatever it is today, you put that on the altar, and you lay it at Jesus' feet, and don't you pick it back up. Lord, I thank you, Father, for today. God, I thank you, Father, Lord, that you have not Given us the fear of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, Father, that you sent your Son for us to be set free. And Lord, I thank you that the same Jesus that that died on the cross, and God, that you raised him from the dead, that he gave us the power to be free from these things. You raised <laughs> From the dead, so that we didn't have to be burdened, and we didn't have to have fear, and we didn't have to have anxiety. And Lord, this morning, I thank you, Father, that by the blood of Jesus Christ, that you free some minds this morning, God. Lord, that you free them from fear, from anxiety that has been plaguing them in the name of Jesus. I cast out all fear in the name of Jesus. And, devil, I bind you, I command you to get out of their minds. Their minds will no longer be your playground, Father. But, Lord, that there is freedom in this house. And, God, that you are here to break those chains of worry and of doubt and of anxiety, Father. And, Lord, I thank you this morning that you're breaking that, that you're giving people a new way of living, a new way of feeding, Father, a new way of doing things, and that that darkness... That has tried to keep a hold of them. God, this morning, I thank you for joy and for life and for healing. God, and for strength to go into Him in the name of Jesus. I thank you for breaking the power of depression that has held somebody down for so long.